Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, and Panini Tops and Upper Deck. Today's episode is about the Diamond King documentary that's coming out probably next year. Mark Evans is the producer, the film guy, and Dick Perez is the subject. Very worthy co-founder of Perez Steel Galleries, an artist of the Hall of Fame, as well as all the Diamond Kings. I know a lot of you grew up with that. I was in the thick of that. Great story that Dick has. We delved into that. They both have been on a number of other podcasts, and I'd listed those. I said, I'm going to ask you some questions that I think other people haven't asked. So this is it. I did some alternating questions with the two of them. Had a good time. I encourage you to check out the work product as it comes out. They'll have little trailers and teasers, but it looks like a really nice thing, a real showcase for our industry. Here it is. And thanks again, Dick and Mark. First question, this may come up in the documentary, but the importance of that early and initial relationship with the Hall of Fame was a really big deal. And I think a lot of that was Frank opening that door for you can you say more about that? Because I think that puts you on the map and puts you in position to have this fabulous run with the Diamond Kings. Yes, without a doubt, it made me go national, as he would tell me. At, at the time, I was doing Philadelphia Eagles and Philadelphia Phillies work, but in a more marketing aid to them, their yearbook designs, graphics, maybe a poster or two. But the fortuity of meeting Frank through the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles, because a fellow by the name of Pete Retzlaff, who was a retired tight end, he got a license from the NFL to do some large coloring books. And Frank partnered with him and Jim Murray, who was the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. We had a big dinner and I really was impressed with Frank. And the actual project went into the tank because the printer went out of business. But Frank and I maintained a relationship. And one thing led to another, and I would visit him and see his collection of a lot of relics and ephemera from long ago. And it just so happened that he was on Wall Street at the same time the president was at Wall Street. So he had a contact there. I suggested the cards that really appealed to me were the Allen and Ginter, that he had a few of them hanging up in little frames. And I told him that would be great if they did that today. One thing led to another, and we proposed it to the Hall of Fame. And they allowed us to do it, but I think that first series doesn't have their logo until we sold out. And, of course, they would partner with us in it. And we needed them because we needed the players to okay their use, the use of their figure. So, yeah, I've always maintained that the reason for my position in this world of sport art is due to a lot of good luck and good fortune. And like I say, I got on the right bus, got off at the right stop, met the right people. And just then I took over. And the thing that I contributed was just working hard at it. Just your artistic brilliance. But first of all, Frank really collected what other people weren't collecting. He was ahead of his time. He went older, the ephemera, the really interesting things. If you didn't see it, if it wasn't being hyped, he built a fabulous collection. But my point to you was going to be, I'm older as well, and I'm not promoting anything, but when I die, one of the first things they're going to talk about is the price guides that I did. I've done a few things, but that's going to be the main thing. Is the official artist of the Hall of Fame going to be prominent on your epitaph? I think so, of course. Yeah, I no longer. In fact, it was Frank who, (laughs) I'll use the word in quotes, insisted that I be 
call that because I was doing all a lot of work for them. And Frank was getting sponsors for them. Don Ruz was somebody that he bought to them. And right. yes, it will be that and the Diamond Kings, I must say. Certainly. Okay, question for Mark. Now that we have more women of the hobby coming together and getting recognition, is Peggy Steele going to get her fair share of credit in this documentary that you're working on? Because I think Perez Steele was not just Frank and Dick, but Peggy as well. Yeah, I had the privilege to interview Peggy a couple months ago in Philadelphia, which was a great experience. She had so many awesome stories. I think they were doing thousands of shipments per day, and she's handling all of that with her parents. <laughs> and she shared some great stories. And one of my favorites is the story of Yogi Berra, where they were at the Hall of Fame induction week, and they're at the Otisaga Hotel, the famous hotel in Cooperstown. And there's a strict no autographs policy there during Hall of Fame weekend. Yogi Berra, though, is going around getting all the Perez Steele Hall of Fame postcards autographed by his fellow Hall of Famers. There's the Perez Steele Galleries Hall of Fame postcard of Frank and Peggy and Dick that Dick had painted. And Yogi goes up to them and asks them to sign their card as well, too. It was really nice getting to interview Peggy, getting to know her a little bit. And she'll absolutely be featured in the film. I had dinner over at their house one time. And it takes somebody special to be married to a guy who's larger than life, which Frank was. Okay, third question. Dick, how did things change after Frank passed away? Because it's now been 20 plus years. Things were going to change anyway. I think he and I and Peggy had gotten as much as we could get out of the Hall of Fame art postcards. And, and it got harder to get players to sign off. Gaylord Perry did not want to sign his, and there were a few others. And in the celebration, Willie Mays is not in it. So it was getting harder to accomplish what we had accomplished years before. And he had a grandson. He wanted to spend more time with him. So it was going to be pretty much the end. He just so happened to get very ill. And he didn't get to enjoy that part of his other life that he wanted to go to. By that time, Diamond King had ended. I was doing my book, which took a lot of work, three or 400 paintings that I did for it over a few years. So I kept busy and I haven't been in touch with her in a while. But Peggy remained connected to the Hall of Fame. She sponsors the internship program, which is great. Like I said, Frank was very persuasive. So I wonder, <laughs> wonder if he could be in a room with Gaylord Perry or Willie Mays and see who came out on top. Yeah. I, I wouldn't bet against Frank. Okay, Mark, you've got a Kickstarter campaign for this documentary that you're doing. And my understanding and experience with Kickstarter is that you have to set an amount in advance. And if you exceed it, that's fine. But if you come under it, you've got to give all the money back. So yeah. is there a lot of thought given to how much is too much or not enough? Or is it just a number that you pulled out of thin air? Because I think it's $30,000, which yeah. is nothing to sneeze at. But just tell me about that, because that's an sure. interesting way to fund things. And it makes a lot of sense in this case. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's both a lot of thought and kind of research that goes into that funding amount, but it is a total guess. And I've done these campaigns with my previous films. And the way I look at it is raising money or attempting to raise money through Kickstarter is a part of the financing puzzle. It's hard to finance independent documentary, but they do need financing. There's crew and there's travel. I live in Washington State. Dick's in New York. I'm trying to get out to Dallas for an interview with you at some point, like we talked about. So there's a lot of expense that goes into this, not to mention post-production and marketing and PR and, and, and all those things. 30000 to me just seemed a number that I thought was attainable that could really help the film. That's not the rest of the budget. We're still going to be raising more money to complete the film, but it felt like this 30000 can get us through the rest of the production phase. 
Also, one of the rewards we have in this in return for pledging is a set of new baseball cards that have been painted by Dick and a lot of new paintings. Originally, we were going to do the set at 299 sets and just the easy math was, okay, they're a hundred bucks, which would include a link to the film as well too when your name in the credits. But if they're a hundred bucks and there's 299, that's 30,000 essentially. And ultimately we ended up going to 499 thinking that's still a good limited number, but if we have some left over, we'll have them for film festivals or if people want to purchase that when they buy the DVD or Blu-ray down the road, then they can as well too. But uh, yeah, I never know what to expect when I launch these. I've been fortunate enough that they've been successful in the past. This one is looking good. I'm glad you had a collector mindset in that because I do think $100 is a sweet spot for Kickstarter, but also collectors who would want that card set, that's the first thing they're going to look at. And if it's numbered to $9.99 or to $5,000 or something like that, it's not the kiss of death, but people like it to be more limited. So I think you've made a good choice there. Okay, question for Dick. Dick, you and I are both older than Frank was when he passed away. I'm actively working on reducing my footprint of collectibles and stuff that I have. I'm not prolific like you are, but do you have an estate plan that allows for the great volume of outstanding stuff that you've done to find new homes? Yeah, I have an estate and I have two children who I vowed to have educated because I didn't have enough. My family didn't have any kind of funding for sending me to college. So I had to do it pretty much in nighttime. But I've taken care of those things. My wife and I are in the same track regarding the children. I would like to move away a little bit. I'm still going to do baseball, but into other kinds of heroes, a collection of paintings that honor people who were heroes, but not sports heroes, like the Martin Luther King and also celebrities. I'm a big Hedy Lamar fan and people like that. So I'll be doing other subjects because to me, the success of my work is all about subject. It was the subject that really caught the attention. And fortunately, there are a lot of people who want images of their heroes in sports, but I don't need to do that anymore. You've got very little work, like paintings in your personal collection. Almost everything is owned by somebody. Yeah. It's all sold. I don't know where I would keep it. No, but that's what I'm getting at is that I don't have enough room and, oh. and I, you're going in the direction that I'm trying to convince my wife. When I get more cards, she said, wait a minute, I thought you were trying to have less cards. Here's <laughs> Dick Perez continuing to paint, but what's going to happen to the paintings? Now you're answering it in a way that you're continuing to do more paintings. Yeah. It'll also be well-received. And then you say you have these other places with other walls I have not enough walls to put my cards on, much less no, art. I always figured I have buyers who buy painting after painting, and I'm wondering, how big is this guy's house? <laughs> uh, he stores it somewhere, or she stores it somewhere. No, I don't have much art left. Okay. A lot of it is at the Hall of Fame. Over three or 400 pieces are there. Uh, on loan or given? No, Frank and I decided that we were going to – a lot of Diamond Kings. Okay. People that we taught at the time, who's going to buy this? original art. So we donated a lot of the... Okay. I've got a bunch of cards and I'd like to have less every year, but I want to keep the ones that are most important to me till the end. Last question, Mark, you're doing a documentary. Compound question. Is there any cliffhanger? Is there any suspense or is it a pure documentary? Are there any zingers, any twists, any cameos? Does Donruss get thrown under the bus for not really fully appreciating Dick in the beginning? 
is Bill Madden going to get? Are there any unsung heroes? So tell us about the breadth of the documentary and what you're bringing to it and how excited you are about it and answer a few of my questions. Obviously, yeah, I couldn't be more excited about this. It's a dream come true. I was a huge baseball, still, of course, a huge baseball fan and have gotten back into collecting off cameras some of my favorite things, which includes a Beckett from probably 1989 or 90 with King Griffey Jr. on the front, his first cover. I've had that ever since I was a kid. And so doing a project like this has just been so fun. And I think it will connect with a lot of people like me, the hobby and baseball fans. This film will be Dick's story and his work, but also intercut through the whole the history of baseball as shown through his work because he's painted the entire game. The film I did previously... Play Dream was about an animator named Will Vinton, uh, most famous probably for creating the California Raisins, but he had this big career in clay animation and ended up losing his empire to Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, ended up taking over the company. And so that film was just oozing with conflict and drama. And that's not this movie. Dick's story is a very inspiring story. He's been married to his wife, Lou, for over 50 years, and there's just not a lot of drama in this thing. I'm not trying to manufacture any for it. It's something that I think people will enjoy watching going on for the ride. Definitely hoping to get some cameos from some current ballplayers, maybe a couple Hall of Famers. And you mentioned Bill Madden. He's on my list to try to get a little something from. Obviously, he was instrumental in the very early days. Yeah, all of that will be covered in the film and more. So it's really exciting. My first film was about grunge music from the 1990s, which was big for me as a kid, but I don't think there's anything in the world I feel as much of a connection to, for my youth especially, as baseball and baseball cards. When I think about that, I think about the Diamond Kings. When you think about those early years of Donruss, until Dick came along, the Diamond Kings made Donruss cards more binder-worthy in the sense that kids had their cards in the binders and it'd just be pages and pages of regular cards but the art cards really stood out and that changed things because there hadn't been art cards really substantially for quite a long time because it's more expensive, but it's a nice touch. When people criticize the junk wax era or the overproduced era, all that means is there were an awful lot of eyeballs on those cards back in the 80s and 90s. The last art card was a 53 Top. And, and even then, when I was a kid collecting them, I really didn't see them as that they were art because they were so realistic. I thought they were unusual photographs and they were different. Once the photographs came in, I knew they were even more special than that. 